Hey guys, welcome back to part two of Albert Fish O Filet. We're gonna get right into it, so I hope you don't lose your lunch. Welcome back, guys, to part two of Swimming with Fish. Yes. Fish Fry. Fish Fry. Yeah, I got the title again. What? You dun, got the title? I just came up with that. No, no, I came up with Fish Fry last week. Yeah, by but the way. we do per episode. Uh, oh, she still, I still gave it. She still has. That's intellectual copyright. So we've got a, a fishbowl in front of us. Yes. That is the theme of tonight's uh, uh, episode. So we made a fishbowl, which has uh, Malibu rum, pineapple juice, blue curacao, Sprite, sour mix. Which uh, so it's it's sparkling water, sour mix, and a lime white claw, which is like the same thing as Sprite and Swedish fish, right? And Swedish fish at the bottom, but they sank, so we can't see them. Before we do get started back into the Albert Fish story, I do want to shout out our newest Patreon members, Woo! James, Jacqueline, and Stina, which could possibly be S Tina, depending on how you're looking at it. But Tina. <laughs> Let's make this kitty purr. Tina, why are you groaning? You're doing fine. Rela- Tina, relax. Easy. Easy. Our favorite character from Bob's Burgers. Uh, and so we're going to knock out uh, two surprise shot requests oh. today. Because it's a Saturday night and Jen's sleeping over. So we can we can do these things. First up, our surprise shot dedication is for Eric. All right, Eric. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. And uh, like I said, we're starting to get some good requests from now on. Um, So this one's not a specific request from Eric, but we are starting to get some good ones. So, all right. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. I like that. That was good. Sweet. You guys want the drink? Yeah, it does. You want to guess what we got? Blue Curacao? No, that was was Monster because I saw one of the ingredients, but it was mixed with something else. You put Monster in here? I did not. Then what the fuck was that? The monsters in there? I drink those. Oh. What are you talking about? He just he just enjoys <laughs> just, giving I'm... himself a heart attack. <laughs> uh, that was hypnotic and Malibu. Malibu. Mm-hmm. That was good. That was good. Okay, and our next surprise shot dedication is for Brittany. Brittany. <sighs> Brittany out in, I believe, Colorado. Ooh. That's where Brienne's from. That's from right. The Among the Dirt and Trees uh-huh. podcast. And she's going to be doing two episodes a week from now on, so be sure to really? subscribe. That's great. All right, Brittany, this is for you. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Deflated. <laughs> That's for you, Brittany. Cheers. This one looks. Like, does she have a specific request? It was not a specific request. My choice, dealer's choice. I'm not sure that was a good combination. If you're new here, welcome. My name is John. I put all my sources, photos, and videos on TalkMurder.com. You can go there and follow along with us. This is the Albert Fish story. We covered 
a little bit of the Albert Fish story last week. So if this is your first episode, you may want to go back and listen to the first one. If not, we are going to kind of recap it, but it's still good to go back and listen to it. The goal of this episode is to ruin a few things for you. Uh, peanut butter being number one. I like peanut butter. Cider. But peanut butter would be number two. <laughs> so... <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And even even uh, roses I'm going to ruin for you. Roses really smell like poo. Ooh, ooh. All right, Jen, can you read Psalms 137, 8 through 9 for us by memory? <clears throat> no. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hell. Probably. Uh, I've resigned myself to that. Oh, please. Well, last time I went to the confession, the priest said no. <laughs> What? He said no. You just walk in. He's like, no. I heard. Your po- I you. heard your podcast. No, <laughs> there's not enough Hail Marys for you. <laughs> You're done. I went. I went before mass, and I was the last person. And there were like, I don't know, ten minutes before mass. And I know the priests have to get ready and like pray and get dressed for mass. But I thought you weren't supposed to turn people away. So there were like, there was a whole line of people. I got there like half an hour early, and then I was the very last person. And he came out of this of the confessional, and he was like, "I can't do this now. Like, I'll get you after mass." But what happened? To, like, okay, so what happened? And, and thankfully, this didn't. And I know that it's a very slim chance. But what happened if I had a heart attack in the middle of mass and I didn't get to confess? A mass attack. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or what happened if something tragic happened and then I died? Nothing in the middle of mass. What do you think you'll go? Shut to- up. John, stop. Oh, this is saying that there's a guy in the sky in the clouds. You know what? I'm not talking about this with Down you right on now. you. I'm just saying. Jen, so you're saying that you have to confess your sins before you die? What if you die right now? I'm sure you've sinned. I have. So you would go to hell? I mean, I like I said, I've already resigned the fact that like I'm probably going to hell. Yeah. Oh my God, please. Why do you even go to church if you're going to go to hell anyway? Because you, you, you're you not going to go to hell, Jen. Whoa, you don't know that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you got to ask me. I, I make those decisions. <laughs> but when you go uh, to mass, like in in Catholicism, you when you receive the Eucharist that you, like receiving the Eucharist, um, you can't receive it without. Like what is that the crackers? Yeah, okay. the wafer, mm-hmm. the wafer. Yeah, which is really flesh. Yeah, correct. There's a lot of cannibalism in the Bible. <laughs> is there not? Wow, that's a perfect segue into today's story. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on. <laughs> All right. So Albert Fish was a huge Christian. Actually, he was um, Episcopalian. So this is one of his favorite verses. A lot of his. Life revolves around Bible verses. A reading from the book of Psalms. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. That's violent. All right. So, Nicole, go ahead and, or one of you guys, go ahead and tell us what happened last time. What did we talk about? Um, The gray man. Oh, I'm surprised you remember that. We talked about, in particular, his abduction of a little girl. Well, we talked about several abductions, mm-hmm. but he would we like tip his cap a lot on one. He was t- he tipped his cap before he took that boy. 
Yeah, Francis McDonald. Uh huh. Everyone thought he was a creepy old man. Mm-hmm. There was a cottage. Mysteria. Yeah, where he took the girl, and he liked to eat ass. <laughs> well, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't also think I, I don't, don't think I understand that. But. <laughs> Yeah, but no, but like he like literally liked to eat her, uh, her, her, her butt cheeks. Yes, yes. So we'll be reading some of his uh, letters and literature. He's actually his his prose is very elegant. If, if you take out all the doo doo and pee pee stuff, he's actually a really good writer. <laughs> oh, I forgot that he like said that stuff because he's a um, he was in a mania, a writing mania, and he would write. Hundreds of letters to random people in the phone book. <laughs> I wish that we still had phone books so that we could we could do that. Just write random letters. Uh, that is super creepy. Now that you think about it, like mm-hmm. at the phone, the phone book had your name and address in it. That's so the internet does too right now. I know. Yeah, but you usually have to pay for that information. Obviously, you guys know that Albert Fish was executed for his crimes. I said last time that. He has all the needles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Up his taint. So there are conflicting reports. Some of the reports say there was blue sparks. Others say that he just died really quick and there was no sparks. But I like to think there were sparks everywhere. It just makes it seem flashy. Electromagnetic man. (laughs) Like Magneto or something. So for our Patreon episode this week, Jen's going to be reading a bunch of cool... Not cool. Jen's going to be reading a bunch of stuff... And because this guy opened up after he knew he wasn't going to get let out. Because actually, they thought the trial was going to be a mistrial. Really? Why? And he was going to be walking the streets again. And in fact, the lawyer, and I I didn't, until I started researching this, I didn't really understand why he did this. But I want you guys, and you guys can go to talkmore.com and leave me a comment on the blog post. At the end of this, if you think this guy should have got the insanity plea granted hmm. instead of execution. Okay. Because, like, the question is, is he insane or not insane? And this case in particular... because He's certainly not right. He's not well. <laughs> okay. This case in particular brings up a, a very interesting point that I really never thought about because, all right, what's the law now? The law is if you're insane, you can't be held accountable for your crimes. And the the caveat there or the, the, uh, the main point being you have to know the difference between right and wrong. Either know the difference between right and wrong if you were present – if you know you don't have um, dissociative identity disorder or whatever, mm-hmm. and you weren't just uh, disconnected at the time, but if you were present at the time, you'd have to know between right and wrong. If you don't, you can get an insanity plea. Now, I'm not talking about um, s- certain people with mental illnesses that don't even remember something they did because it's their other personality. I'm talking about right or wrong. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay, so that's what... The, the current law is. You guys agree with that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that is not just black and white. And in this case, that's what I want everyone to think about. He knows he was there. He didn't disassociate. So the question is, does he know right from wrong? But right and wrong is not just black and white. What if 
what he thinks is right and wrong is completely different than what everyone else thinks. And just think about that, because if you have a skewed version of right and wrong, can you really be held accountable? Well, I think that's the de- that is the definition of no, not he doesn't know what right and wrong is if his, he has a different different definition of what right and wrong and is. That's actually what I was going to ask. Like, you know how I was talking about the people that live in the national parks who like kidnap and eat people? Yes. Okay. So what? Yeah. No. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, we mentioned this we, one. We talked about this. You just don't. You just don't pay attention to me. There's like people in the national the parks eating people. Yes, they they abduct people and they take them and they eat them. You talking them. about the West Virginia Hills, the mountain men? They're they're there too. <laughs> they're there too. No, we there, about there this. was a there was a serial killer on the Appala- Appalachian Trail, and my mom knows somebody whose daughter like you talking escaped. about Gary Hilton? Maybe the the guy that lived in the mountains and. We did kind of one story. Well, we focused more on one of his victims, Mary or Meredith it was a, Emerson. This one's more recent. But he didn't eat people. No. We'll talk about more this another recent? time. recent? My, my mom knows somebody who is like survived something. Yeah. Well, what the fuck? Who is it? Because I haven't I heard of that I don't shit. Remember. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, so like they're there or we talk we talk about that tribe that lived um, on the North Sentinel yes, Island. So yeah. So like so their culture... Yeah, you can kill people and eat them or, you know, you can cut them up or things like that. If that's part of their culture and that's socially accepted, then even if it's a subculture of the United States, there's actually a place. Actually, okay, let me cut that whole thing. So there's a place and there's a section in Iowa. There's a section. Jen, cut all that. (laughs) (laughs) So there is there is a section of a state in Iowa which borders Wyoming that like there's there's no laws and if you commit the crime there in some time some never mind just 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 like if the the culture says that you can do it and then you commit it in someone else's culture like can you be held accountable for that if you don't know the forays and more mores and for sort uh, that's the good thing about religion okay i'm not talking about religion I'm talking but about you culture. are because where does right and wrong come from it comes from a set of laws morality brought morality. on by religion religion is great for keeping people in check in line so like what you're talking about the north sentinelese island which we did that patreon story mm-hmm. this missionary Named John Chow, he was he decided for some reason to kayak out to the North Sentinelese Island. And if you don't know where that's at, it's in the Indonesian islands. And it's the last place on the planet Earth that is completely uncivilized. There are a tribe of people that live there. And you can look this up. There are a tribe of people that live there. And supposedly right now they're in the Bronze Age. It's a real tribe. And they're completely out of sync with everything else that's going on in the world. They still live like tribesmen do. I mean, I know there's other tribes, but they're, they at least know what society is. These guys are on an island by themselves. They don't even know what's going on. They don't, they've never left the island in thousands and thousands of years. They have no idea what's going on. So what Jen is saying is this dude who was a missionary who was trying to spread the word of God to these people that don't even speak a language that any el- anyone else can understand because they've been speaking their own language for thousands of years, decided to kayak out there like a freaking idiot and try to convert these people to Christianity. Anyway, his head ended up on a stick. It also didn't happen here. 
like it's different because he went like you can't you can't uh, convict someone of a crime in their own country if it's not against their laws. But if someone from North Sentinelese Island came to America and committed a crime, committed a crime can you hold them accountable if they did not know? No. That was the point I was making, I think. No. After like uh, five right. minutes of rambling. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time. <laughs> Actually, first, before I recap what we did last time, I want to start with some terminologies. Okay. For you guys. Um, these are a list of perversions. Take a guess of how many perversions this guy has. 28. Eighty-six. Eighty-six. I don't know. <laughs> he has eighteen, which is the most that anyone has ever had. In fact, they had to create some just for him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to actually say the name, and then you guys going to try to guess what it is. Bert, the pervert. All right, sadism. Albert. Herbert, the pervert. Yeah, I know, but his name's Albert. Oh, oh, oh. Sadism. What is sadism? It's when you like to cause harm to other people and it, it turns you on sexually. Masochism. It's when you like to receive pain and it turns you on sexually. Active and passive flagellation. Flagellation or flatuation? Active and passive flagellation. Flagellation. Isn't that when you like whip yourself? There you go. If you watch the uh, Da Vinci Code. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh, the albino guy. The yes. albino guy, yeah. Yes. I forgot about that movie. So that's actually uh, a religious thing, too. In the, I guess, the Old Testament, they used to do that. So is active when you like to whip and passive is when you like to watch people getting whipped? Or you... Active is like when you are the whipper and passive is when you are the... Victim? <laughs> whippy, I guess. Whippy! <laughs> <laughs> How about this? Castration and self-castration. Well, that's when you remove the <laughs> testicles from a, a, a boy or male. Uh, and then and you take them off yourself. Exhibitionism. Oh, that's when you... I'm an exhibitionist. When you like to um, like reveal yourself. Hey, you want to buy a watch? <laughs> oh my God, the, the guy in the trench coat. Voyeur axe. That's when you like to watch, watch people, people get, yeah. having sex. Uh, peeping John Perry. <laughs> Alright, can we just okay, I, okay. I just want to see if you gave yourself that nickname Or if someone else gave you that nickname Picure P-I-Q-U-E-U-R You take photos of people? No Um it, uh, I don't know, what is that one? Sticking needles into Others or into oneself For sexual motives Uh, pedophilia Well, that's Attracted a, to Underage, sexually attracted to yeah children, and this uh, this kind of shows you the age of the case. This was in the twenties. Homosexuality. Well, that's when you're attracted to yeah, the, that was a same sex back then. It was considered a perversion. It was. That's correct. Also, Happy Pride Month to all of our LGBTQIA plus family of tacos. Pino, <laughs> I can't pronounce this. Pino linktio, P N I. P E N I L I N C T I O. Penalintio. <laughs> Something to do with the penis. <laughs> is he uh, tying his penis up into a knot? No, like this a cherry is, stem. This is, this is oh. simple. The application of mouth to penis. Oh, oh it, it's, isn't the, that... it, it's the opposite of fellatio. So penalintio 
and then fellatio. Is that Italian? <laughs> Well, no, fellatio is the same as penalinguistio. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah, yeah they're the same thing. Flatio. You're thinking cunnilingus, yeah. which I learned. <laughs> yeah. That is my which favorite I word. Which I learned is one of your favorite words. You're like, it's just a beautiful sounding it word. It is. A, cunnilingus is beautiful. <laughs> do, you, do, you remember that, do you remember that SNL skit where they had the two girls in waiting for Colonel Angus? Yes, 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 I and do. They, but they were Southern, so they could pronounce it cunnilingus. Yes, I do remember that one, actually. Um, I don't watch a lot, so... Oh, speaking of which, cunnilingus. There you go. Oral Application sex. of mouth to female genitalias. Genitalias? Genitalia, right? Oh, there's three holes. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, analingus. Well, that's <laughs> mouth to <laughs> anus. Mouth to M to A to P. Herb to P. I like using just the first uh, Back to M. Okay, here's a good one. Coprophagia. I think I pronounced that right. Coprophagia. Well, to feel. That's what it sounds I, like. He likes to copulate. No, I've I've been accused of this. Coprophagia is something mild. Touching a hiney? Uh, no, it's uh, eating a feces. <laughs> <laughs> eating a peanut butter. <laughs> Oh shit. You're the worst. Uh this you might get undinism. U N D I N I S M. Look at having a fetish skirt for underwear? Well, th- think of the word U N un to undress. Well, well, maybe not. Maybe to undo makes... something? It's uh playing with urine. For example, urination into another person's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, R. Kelly. Oh, gross. Uh, fetish, fetish, fetishism. Having fetish? Uh, A weird sex thing. Abnormal preference for one part of the body, such as buttocks, are oh. for inanimate. Now, remember, this is... See, a tick guy or an ass guy? Are for inanimate objects. Now, remember this. This is in the 20s, okay? So they don't have TikTok and, and, all, and WAP... Wet ass pussy, <laughs> which was the song of the year. It was, <laughs> which is what's wrong with the wop, society. <laughs> they don't know Get all this stuff. Get a bucket and a mop for that wet ass pussy. Oh god, macaroni <laughs> in the pot for that wet ass pussy. Uh, anyway, um, how about this one? Can- cannibalism, <laughs> eating humans, and hyperoticism. When he's uh, normally uh, the amount of times that he is turned, yeah. on. turned on. Yeah. <laughs> Did we get through them all? Yeah, that's it. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> I like that guessing game. All right. So who you're looking at now is Albert Fish. This is him in the electric chair. What I want you to know from this episode is, and you can go to talkmore.com because I want to know what people think. Should he have been found guilty of this or should he have received an insanity plea which would mean he would be forever locked up in a mental institution sort of like Ed Gein so and or are you you're asking us for later you're not asking us for now yeah just something to think about um because for instance the lawyer James Dempsey that was his lawyer says quote the verdict in the case of Albert H Fist oh, Fist Fist. <laughs> Fisting was not in the vocabulary. <laughs> he probably did it. If it, if it, if it was something you could do, he, he would do it. He's a quote, the verdict in the case of Albert H. Fish 
proves nothing else but that we are still burning witches. End quote. The question is, does he know right from wrong? Every one of the jurors that was interviewed by the media after this said that he was definitely insane, but the crime was just too bad to let it go unpunished, which is fucked up because that's not how the law is supposed to work. (laughs) Very true. So I want you guys to decide. A lot of people that came into contact with Albert Fish, especially during the trial, and I want to bring this up because this is another case where I saw this. In the old cases like this, it's interesting to know that much like today, the true crime audience is predominantly female. Even back in the day, in the 20s and even before that in the 1800s, if there is a murder trial especially a sensational murder trial, the jury or not the, the pulpit where's the pulpit in the courtroom, Mm -hmm. the courtroom pit would be filled up with mostly females. You guys love this stuff, this uh, true crime type of stuff. And that's evident even from like this podcast, most of our listeners are female. So another thing to note about these cases back in this time, when, Evidence starts coming out, confessions start coming out to be presented to the jurors, testimony or whatever. If it's going to get too gruesome, the judge will kick all the females out of the courtroom. Now, this doesn't happen today, but it's kind of interesting to note that this this happened back in the day. And in this case, the judge would be like, all right, stop. Everyone take a recess. I need all the females out. Because this is going to get gruesome. Hmm. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting things about this. Like I was telling Nicole earlier, in these old cases, if you have a detective spending several years trying to chase a killer, once he is caught, the detective and the, the main detective and the killer would do a photo op together. And this is something that I've seen in many of these old cases. It's not like this today, but it's almost like their buddy, but not buddy, buddy, but have you ever seen the uh, Catch Me If You Can? I was just going to say, yes. it's just like Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, so it's a, it's the same premise, and I'll show you a picture right now. He's from, he he lives in Charleston now. Oh. I have his book signed by him. Cool. I mean, he didn't sign it for me, but I have a signed copy. I got it at the book sale. Oh, yeah. That was it, it. Yeah, so... Oh, okay. Oh, he's so old. And I'll put this on talkmore.com. But yeah, the de- it's kind of funny that the prison. This is, is a legit. Up. This is a legit photo op. Like they both stood here to take this photo. It's crazy, you know. It's like I uh, got, and they're like he's behind them, like yeah. a fucking family photo. It's just a weird times back huh. then. Yeah, different, different, different. Many of the people who came into contact with Albert Fish would say things like, "Quote." If you wanted someone to entrust your children with, he would be the one you would choose, end quote. He actually had children and grandchildren of his own. Oof. And his first granddaughter, he said this to the media, quote, and he was all giddy when he was saying this, and she's 12. She's 12 years old, and she's a great little dancer. I just idolize her. I love children and was always soft-hearted. Gives a new meaning to hold me closer, tiny dancer. Murder was not in my heart, end quote. Was he abusive to his family members? If there was a an award back then for father of the year, it would go to him. And I'm being serious. He was the nicest person. Every one of his grandchildren and his own children testified in court 
in his favor, saying that he is the sweetest person and he cared for them and he gave his all to his own children and he loves children because they needed him growing up and he would never hit his kids. He would never abuse them. He was as sweet as pie. He would win the Father of Year Award, which is crazy because of what we talked about last week, right? Yeah. So about a little bit about his execution before we get too far into it. He says, quote, I have no particular desire to live. I have no particular desire to be killed. It is a matter of indifference to me. I do not think I am altogether right, end quote. That's kind of sad. I mean, he did some terrible things, so I guess I don't feel that bad, but... It's kind of sad to hear someone's sentiment say that I have no desire to live. Well, if you read through all the transcripts that he was writing his lawyer in court, you would view Albert Fish as not even caring. But if you read all the transcripts, he actually had a very, a very prominent hand in his defense, telling his lawyer exactly what to do, how to play the jury, stuff like that. So he may just be a psychopath is what I'm trying to say. Oh, oh, so he... He, he may is, have he made is the, this whole insanity thing. Yeah, because Look. you just said, oh, that's sad. So, I mean, this dude cut up and ate a, a 10-year-old. Oh. And you said that's sad. That would, but I'm not trying to be mean, but that no. is what he wants. That's yeah. the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Yeah. That's the, you know what I'm saying? And actually, I was thinking, because last week I said this, it reminds me of Red Robin Hood. And you said, well, no, because Red Robin Hood actually doesn't die. In fact, she does die in the origin stories. Really? She just doesn't die in the Disney bullshit we put together 100 years ago to tell her kids to stay out of the woods. But in the real the real fairy tale story, she gets eaten alive. Yeah. No, <laughs> fairy tales are actually very dark. Very dark. Brothers Grimm. They're called that for a reason. Mm. And I'm just going over a broad sense of who this guy is before we get into it, right? Another couple cases that he took a particular interest in, and I noticed this too when I did the Ed Gein story, when they went into his home, exactly like Albert Fish, when they went into his home, they would find all these news clippings and magazine articles about dismemberment and cannibalism and all kinds of crazy shit. South Filipino, uh, brutal cutting up and all this crazy shit. Anyway, a couple cases that he was interested in was Edward Hickman in California who dismembered a girl and he would follow the cases front and center. And he knew law really well because he read all about these court cases, right? Uh, Holmes and Thurmwood who were stripped naked, beaten and hung to trees in the presence of 15,000 men. Uh, Let's see. And a bunch of others. Oh, and also an Admiral Perry. The, uh, and this is actually really interesting. The uh, expedition, of a crew of three uh, shipmates who were who were stuck out at sea and had to draw straws to see which one of them gets eaten first. It's kind of like that episode <laughs> of Family Guy. Yeah. Joe's like, if you need to, you know, if it gets that way, you can start eating my legs. And like Peter's like already chomped through half of it. <laughs> You're eating me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going through the formalities here talking about his family background i'm going to get to the, the stuff that everyone wants here but i'm trying to get these out the way because i feel like some i feel like i have to as a true crime podcaster a, <laughs> i feel like i gloss i feel like i have to do this um all right the family background when albert fish was five his father dies 
He was immediately put in an orphanage from five to seven. Mm. And then his mother takes him back at seven. So basically the father dies and the mother couldn't cope with it, especially back then. Was he an only child? Uh, uh, No, he was not an only child, but he not much is known about his other brothers. And a lot of people say he doesn't even have another brother, but that one brother comes up quite a bit, but I found no huh. proof of him, and no one else has found proof of this so, guy. Okay, so he could be, he could have schizophrenia. <clears throat> but however, that is a really good point that you just made because technically he did have a brother. The brother, the brother I'm referring to now is 11 years older or whatever. Okay, but there was a brother in the crib with him. He was a twin, and um, did he eat him? <laughs> Shit. Reminds me of also my big fat Greek wedding. I had a lump in my neck. And in this lump were teeth and a spinal cord. It was my twin. It also reminds me of um, Pitch Perfect with... I had a twin. His brother was named Albert. So Albert Fish is not... His real name. His real name is Hamilton. Well, his twin. No, 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 no. Albert Fish, the one we're talking about now, his real birth given name is Hamilton. And his brother's name is Albert. His brother's name who died in the crib is Albert. Okay, this is this is crazy. And no one can substantiate this this shit either, right? <laughs> How is so he killed his brother in the crib and then stole yes. his identity? No, My God, okay. yes. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> Hamilton didn't even know he had a brother. However, in the orphanish, orphanish, <laughs> the, or, the orphanish, he, he stole him from the crib. So, and he had a snack. The killer, Albert Fish, who is real, whose real name is Hamilton. Will the real Albert Fish please stand up? He didn't even know he had a brother. But when he was in the orphanage, from five to seven, he was bullied, and the source of the bullying came from his name. His name was Hamilton, and I don't know the other nicknames because he didn't mention them. He actually says, quote, they would call me Ham and Eggs and such, so other names too, but we don't know the other names. But they, they did. if he was alive now, he wishes his name was still Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Why? Because of the Smash Because of Smash Tony Broadway, Broadway musical. That's actually really interesting that you said that. Hamilton, forget the the baby in the crib. I'm gonna call him. I'm gonna call the guy we're talking about tonight, Albert, from now on. Okay, because that's his assumed name. Yeah, exactly. But I know it's confusing. But he was Albert. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> My mind is seriously blown that Albert's name is not Albert. When he was initially named Hamilton, it was after one of his distant ancestors, a Hamilton Fish, who, or whom, I should say, was Secretary of State under President Ulysses... 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 President Ulysses S. Grant. Ulysses S. Grant. President Ulysses S. Grant, the 18th president who served from 1869 to 1977. Now, get this. Hold on. Hamilton Fish. So he's named after this guy named Hamilton. Right. Fish, which is 
the Secretary of State. For that is Grant. who that is who, his ancestor. That is who the killer is named after. Correct. Right. The that guy, the Secretary of State, uh-huh. was named Hamilton because um, his father was a a intimate friend and the executor of Alexander Hamilton. From his will, from that play, from that brother. You mean mean the treasurer, the first treasurer of the United States? Yes. So his great grandpappy was the executor and best friend of Alexander Hamilton. Whoa! That is how he got his name. He got his name. He got his name. (laughs) But he took. But he was bullied in the orphanage from five to seven, and he tells his mom once his mom takes him back. You know about all the bullying he ensued, and she says, "Well, why don't you just take your dead brother's name, Albert?" And he's like, wait, I have a dead brother? Yeah, Albert. He's dead. So he was, <gasps> so from now on, oh he's, God, Albert so Fish. he's Albert H. Fish. That's what he goes by. So Hamilton being the, the middle name. Interesting. So that is the... That cra- is your name, <laughs> man. That is fascinating. All right. Um, huh. Nicole, you can read this. This is from Albert Fish to the judge that was presiding over his case and he wrote a lot of letters but anyway this is about his family background a little bit about it minus some of the stuff i just told you i think that's in another letter but this talks about his brother and also talks about his uh, father as well governor herbert h lehman the state house of albany new york your excellency i was born at washington dc may 19th 1870 of a well-known and respectable family. The name of Fish has long been an honored one in all walks of life. I'm the first one to bring disgrace upon it. My father, Captain Randall Fish, was well known. He dropped dead in the street on October 16th, 1875. When you say Masonic, Masonic, she's talking about Freemason. Yeah. Freemason Freemasonry, yeah. just in case people didn't know. Through the Masonic fraternity, he was a 32nd Mason. My mother was placed in the U.S. Treasury in 1876. She remained there up until 1885. At the age of five, I was placed by my mother to St. John's Orphanage, remaining there for two years. During that time, I learned to lie, beg, and steal. Saw both boys and girls, older than I, do all kinds of immoral acts. I had a brother, Walter H. Fish, who served five years in the U.S. Navy. He had been all over the world. The tales he told on his visits home of savages, cannibals, tortures were to me marvelous. At that time, when he, what he said impressed me greatly. When I left home, I was sent to Sunday school and was a choir boy in the St. John's P.E. Church, 1880 to 84. Dr. Robert Rayburn, one of the doctors who attended President James A. Garfield when he was shot in 1881. In 1894, I came to New York City. My first job was at Stanford Hall, Flushing, New York. It was a private sanitarium run. Now, about the mental illnesses in his family, because those actually run deep, too. So I'm going to kind of gloss over them. His father, Captain Randall Fish, as I said, yada, 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 very respectable man. His uh, father's younger brother, Ezekiel, he died in 1877, but he was afflicted with a religious psychosis. He was committed to an institution in Maine. Uh, His sister, Anne, was also committed. She was, quote, considered crazy, end quote. And it goes, a lot of the family members have mental illnesses, is what I'm trying to say. A lot. His sister or his father's sister? His father, his father's sister, yeah. 
His his actual mother has several mental symptoms, including hearing noises and uh, seeing things. It's really hard to read this letter. But so what I'm trying to say is they are uh, mental illness runs in the family, which is, is extremely important. No, but it's also important to remember that not not for not for us, but more for the listeners that that back in that time, like mental illnesses as we know them today are, are, are a totally different thing. Mm. Like hysteria for women, you know, that's not not really a disorder anymore now. Not I mean, it is, but we kind of look past it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, no, I should say hysteria was cured by vibrators. I was right. going to say that too, actually. <laughs> I was from well, the episode one of Quackery, I believe. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, you're you're good. But like, I just I just feel like the like mental health is is practices are nowhere near where they are today. So like, I wonder how much of it was like. I, I'm not saying that there weren't mental illnesses because obviously. There's 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 several people that were committed, um, but I wonder how much of it like would be things today that aren't considered mental illnesses, like homosexuality, <laughs> like they think is a perversion. Mm, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, but not yeah. just that. That's just an example. Albert Fish, in totes, in total, had four wives, three of which he married within four months. A four-month time period, so basically one a month. And he never divorced them. <laughs> he never divorced anyone. But he was a bigamist. Yeah. In 1930, he marries three wives in a span of four months. It's a fast courtship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, four wives, six children, five grandchildren, 18 perversions. He has raped both boys and girls in 23 states. He has over 100 Whoa. victims. Whoa. He has at least three murders. He self-admits to 15 murders he used at least five aliases he worked two times as a sexton which is kind of creepy a grave keeper oh <laughs> that's what a sexton is oh he has been sent to two separate mental institutions before being released only after a few short weeks as quote sane end quote he is 130 pounds he was arrested at least five times or more for letter writing, obscene letter writing, and grand larceny, and he has zero teeth. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, shit. All right, go ahead and read this, Nicole. This is a quote from the man himself. I always had a desire to inflict pain on others and to have others inflict pain on me. I always seemed to enjoy everything that hurt. The desire to inflict pain. That is all that is uppermost. So just to recap, last week we talked about Gracie Budd, 10 years old. Albert Fish had walked into a home of the Budd family, B-U-D-D, posing as a wealthy farmer. And he had his gray suit on and his beard. And he looked like he comes from wealth. And at the time, the Bud family, well, they were always poor, but they were at the bottom kind of poverty level. So they were ecstatic when Albert Fish offered the son, the 18-year-old son, a full-time job of $15 a week, and which includes board, at his farm. You know, and he had all these chefs and cows and chickens and stuff. It was all just fabrication he just did that because he wanted to murder the boy 18 years old however then he sees gracie the youngest flower child of their home 
10 years old tomboy walks in, sits on his lap. And at that moment, he decides to kidnap her instead. He takes her to an abandoned cottage in Wisteria, which was abandoned because he thought people didn't go there because they thought it was haunted. Now it's definitely freaking haunted. I mean, it's not yeah. there anymore, but <laughs> it's definitely haunted now. He takes her there and he brutally, brutally murders her. And then did we talk about how he ate her? Yeah. Yeah. And, a little bit. And then he took her home and over a period of nine days, he consumed her. And every time that he would eat a bowl of her, he would ejaculate. That is kind of the, the psychology we're dealing with. I didn't get into that last time. No, I don't think oh. you talked about that. Okay, well, <laughs> shit. Uh, a little bit. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna need to. Oh, what the fuck? This this gets really bad. You guys are already fucking. <laughs> that was like nothing. <laughs> what the fuck? No, we're preparing it was ourselves. Like a trailer for a horror movie. <laughs> Which, speaking of horror movies, they're putting out a third Conjuring. God. I, she won't uh, watch it. I think I saw the first one. Didn't you guys make me watch the first the yeah, first one? Not me. Yeah, you didn't watch it. I didn't watch it either. You'd you'd know it if you watch it. It follows. The doll. The, it follow. No, it follows. No. That's Annabelle. This Anna. Yes. Yeah, it follows the Conjuring <sighs> series. Follows the life of one of the most prolific paranormal investigators out of Connecticut. Yeah, you're talking about the. I think I saw the Conjuring, but not Annabelle. I don't know. I think it's in the same universe. Same movie universe. I don't know. That is a story of Gracie Bud. We're going to be going into detail of that one tonight, plus some others, because we actually have his own words after he got caught and realized that he wasn't going to get away so easily. He decided to confess and do a tell-all. And that's what we're using tonight. That's the his, title of the book, isn't it? What book? book that we're reading from no we're reading oh no this is just a collection of his oh the book this is just a collection of all the documents oh um albert fish in his own words by john borowski it's just a collection he he has one for ed gein too so basically he just puts together oh. all the photos oh, like f- photos and letters and yeah stuff. it's worth buying i mean it's not he didn't write any of this he just organized it which is great because yeah. it's all here you know, so definitely if you if you're a fan of Albert Fish, get this book. I don't know if fan is the right word, but <laughs> I'm intrigued by his case. <laughs> all right. So Yeah, I'd be concerned if you're like a super fan yeah. and you had all that stuff like up in your walls and stuff. He travels from state to state at least twenty three working. His job, he had access to the cellars and basements. That's where he would do the rapes and the tortures and stuff like that. And he was usually gone up to five days before the job is done, before he returns back home. So so did he tell his family he was going on a fishing trip or something? Uh, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so w- what I'm asking you, what I'm asking you is what do you think his job was to work in cellars and basements, to be gone for five days, to travel state to state? And Insurance he, salesman. Uh, to work in a cellar? <laughs> what the fuck? Not just cellars. He worked in a church. He actually... Okay, so I'm just going to tell you. A flooding expert. He Insurance was, adjuster. He was a painter. Oh. A house painter. And in fact, uh, after the Gracie murder, here's one of the jobs he was hired for. He was actually 
uh, hired for this local church. They wanted uh, angels painted on the ceiling, and he was the one to paint the angels on there. <laughs> oh, God. I hope that church painted over it. <laughs> kind of fucking creepy. It? <laughs> yeah, that's twisted. On many occasions, he would actually quit the job midweek. Why do you think he did that? And he would just leave his stuff. He would just be out in a hurry and leave his stuff. Because he so murdered he done. someone. <laughs> because, done eating them because after he would leave after a quote brutal episode end quote oh. uh, so we're going to talk about them I mean are those <laughs> the things that I'm going to be reading <laughs> let's talk about a murder that we didn't talk about last week this is the Billy Gaffney murder uh, initially he said that he didn't have anything to do with any other murders and in fact this is how it happens he gets arrested He's like, okay, I killed the bud girl. And then, oh my God, the power of news media, his case is now heard around the world. Everyone is tuning in, well, tuning into the newspapers for this case. So now you have people coming out of the woodwork saying, hey, I saw this guy taking Billy Gaffney by the hand and people like that. And not only that, but other like moms saying, hey, this guy was offering candy to my baby and stuff Uh-oh. like that. And all these, the ones that really came up were proven true most of the times because a lot of the uh, women, like let's say you're in a candy store and this old man tries to lure your kid away and then you catch him, the mother's not going to ever forget who the face of that man, the eyes of that man, mm-hmm. the speech of that man. So she comes forward and it's like, this guy tried to lure away my daughter and there were a lot of people that did that. So, and then he was like, okay, well, you caught me. I may have killed more, whatever. <laughs> Here's one for you right Casual. here. The Billy Gaffney murder. So we're going to read that one right now. Albert Fish was working in an apartment building and who you're looking at now, Billy Gaffney. And I'll put his photo on talkmore.com. He and his brother, his younger brother of three years old would play in the hall area of this apartment. And this is really creepy. The brother, I mean, everyone, all the tenants could hear the boys playing. It was something they did every day, play in the hallways, run up and down. Everyone hears the footsteps. Tenants stopped hearing those footsteps, and it, they got a really creepy feeling. They went up there and saw the three-year-old by himself, and then like the parents go up there and it's like, where is Billy? Where's your brother? Where is he? And all the three-year-old said was, and this is exactly what he said, quote, the boogeyman took him, Ooh. end quote. And that's what he kept saying. He's three years old. That's all he could say. The boogeyman took him. That's fucked up. So anyway, this is this. This is his confession. Here is my plan. Some years ago, I lived at 22 East 81, top floor front. Suppose I confess to you that I did blank the Gaffney boy in the same manner. I did the B girl. I am charged with the crime anyhow, and many really believe I did. I will admit the motorman who positively identified me as getting off his car with a small boy was correct. I can tell you at the time I was looking for a suitable place to do the job. Not satisfied there, I brought him to the Riker Ave dumps. There is a house that stands alone not far from where I took him. A few years ago, I painted this house for the man who owns it. He is in the auto wrecking business. I forget his name, but my son Henry can tell you because he bought a car from him. This man's father lives in the house. Jean John Henry helped me paint the house. There were, at the time, a number of old autos on the road. 
I took the G-boy there, stripped him naked and tied his hands and feet and gagged him with a piece of dirty rag I picked out of the dump. I burned his clothes, threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back and took the trolley to 59th Street at 2 a.m. and walked from there home. The next day, about 2 p.m., I took tools, a good heavy cat nine tails, homemade, short handle, cut one of my belts in half, slit these half-six strips about eight inches long, and whipped his bear behind till the blood ran from his legs. Now, this, this boy is seven mm. years old. Just keep in mind. I cut off his ears, nose, slit his mouth from ear to ear, gouged out his eyes. He was dead then. I stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood. Oh my gosh. This is fucking sick. I picked up four potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones. Then I cut him up. I had a grip with me. I put his nose, ears, and a few slices of his belly in grip. Then I cut through the middle of his body just below his belly button. Then through his legs about two inches below his behind, I put in my grip with a lot of paper. I cut off his head, feet, arms, hands, and legs below the knee. This I put in sacks weighed with stones, tied the ends, and threw them into the pools of slimy water you will see along the road going to North Beach. Water is three to four feet deep. They sank at once. I came home with my meat I had from his body I liked best. His monkey and peewees had a nice little fat behind to roast in the oven and eat. I made a stew out of his ears, nose, and pieces of his face and belly. I put onions, carrots, turnip, celery, salt, and pepper. It was good. Then I split the cheeks of his behind open, cut off his monkey and peewees, and washed them first. I put all in a roasting pan, lit the gas in the oven. Then I put strips of bacon on each cheek and his behind and put them in the oven. Then I picked four onions... And when the meat had been roasted for about a quarter of an hour, I poured a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the onions. At frequent intervals, I basted his behind with a wooden spoon so the meat would be nice and juicy. In about two hours, it was nice and brown, cooked through. I never ate any roast turkey that tasted half as good as his sweet, fat little behind did. I ate every bit of meat in about four days. His little monkey was as sweet as a nut, but his peewees I could not chew. Threw them in the toilet. All right, that's it. Who's hungry? <laughs> that's fucking bad. <laughs> that's really bad. <laughs> that's, that's that's terrible. Oh my god, <laughs> that was really fucking bad. <laughs> that was terrible. That's hey, like that's like one of the worst uh, things I think I've ever heard in my entire life. And I tried to dissociate shit. for a little bit, but then I couldn't stop <laughs> listening. Oh my god, he immediately he just oh my god. His so he called his monkey and peewees. It's he like, said his peewee was, or his monkey was sweet as a nut. He's got a, his. But he pro- couldn't eat the nut. He couldn't eat the nuts. Holy that's shit. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's just, I mean, that's immediately just he just gets into it. But, all right, he's writing this to his attorney and he's saying, suppose I did admit to it. This is what I, I mean, obviously he. This did. is what may have happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he says, oh my God. Uh, he said he slit his mouth from ear to ear, like, like what like the, the Joker. Fuck? Yeah. yeah, so that he'd always be smiling. Cut off his ears, nose, and Ugh. slit his mouth from ear to ear. Like no one deserves that. Oh my! Bless this a is child. a fucking seven-year-old. Holy shit! Holy fuck! I mean, that's the kid right there. I I can't look at the child. 
I can't. I- I'll be too uh, upset. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, moving on. <laughs> Is anybody still listening to this? Oh. <laughs> Holy shit. They've all stopped. <laughs> I'm just very upset. I, I think by now, though, it's it, it, like, imagine if this was episode four and not Dennis Nilsson. Like, I, we've, wor- I, we've warmed up to this. I probably would just stop there. Be like, sorry, guys, you can continue to do this without me. I thought I wanted to be part of this, but I actually don't. Why does he kill? Why does he do this? What's his excuse? He, he, is he likes full- the taste of human meat. No, he is a fool of excuses. He's very narcissistic and... He doesn't blame himself for any of the murders. There's always something that happened. For instance, the 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 Bud girl, which we talked about last time. Well, it's, it's not my fault because the parents let her go with me. If they didn't let her go with me, she would be okay and be back at home now. So you see, that's the type of... In his fucked up mind, he actually... That's why they... I think he is a psychopath. That's why they're thinking that he has right and wrong switched up or something Mm. like he just doesn't understand that it's still wrong to cut up a little girl just you know even though your hit even though her parents said that she can go with you see but i disagree i think that he knows it's wrong and he just doesn't care and most will agree with you and the reason why is because if he doesn't know it's wrong he wouldn't go to links to try to hide the body not only that but if he doesn't know it's wrong he would have probably done it to his own children or grandchildren Ooh, also good well, point. Well, for some reason, he loved his children. It's crazy to me. <laughs> well, I think it's good that he crazy. loved his children. I just think that it's terrible that he did this to other people's children. And, you know, I'm not saying he, that his children deserve to meet their end this way. I'm saying that if he thought that it was acceptable to eat children, why wouldn't he have done it to his own children? Very good point. All right. Well, this is the reason that he gives that started the whole thing. And this happened in 1917. He was married to his first wife. They had six children together. And the youngest at this time, 1917, the youngest child, three years and four months old, six kids in the house. All right. And he was a great dad. No one knows if this is true or not, but he says this is before all the perversions, before he was raping kids and the sellers and all this stuff. Who knows? This is what he says, right? He also, in court, says, well, yeah, I killed her, but I didn't rape her. Like, that's supposed to make it sound better type of shit. Anyway. So that statement right there also makes me think he knew that raping something was wrong. wrong. But no, but he says it in a way that, oh, but don't forget that I didn't rape her. You know, I don't forget that I I didn't do that. It's like, dude, you cut her up and ate her. Like, what what I'm saying, like he he's he knows that there's 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 something there that he did wrong. He's living happily with his wife and six kids from what he's saying. He's never even touched another boy, another girl, whatever. He noticed that. The family was starting to use 10 more pounds of meat per month. Okay, yeah, because his children are growing. Exactly. But that's that's a lot of meat. Yeah. So he was questioning his wife about that. Like, why are we buying, like, I'm buying this meat and we're using a lot more. And then his wife says, well, maybe the, the dog's probably eating it. But the dog is a little scrappy thing. It wasn't eating 10 pounds of meat by itself. He knew someone was fishy. Every night the dog would <laughs> every night the dog would up the stairs and up to the little attic, you know where the attic is? Yeah. 
And he would just sit there and sniff around. So Albert Fish is like, ah, I got it. That little scroungy mutt is taking that meat and hoarding it in the attic. I'm going to go follow him. So one night he goes up there and he follows the dog. He opens the attic, which obviously the dog is not opening the attic. And Unless the, they leave it cracked. And the food is not sitting right there at the door. So he walks in the attic and it's pitch black dark. And this is what he finds. A squatter? I opened the attic door and went in. It was a bit dark in there, and I stumbled in a heap on the floor. It was a strob, sound asleep on the floor, snug as a bug in a rug, and in a spread of some of the best blankets and quilts in the house. He sat up half asleep, mumbling something. What have you got for me this time? He stumbles into the dark attic and trips over this guy named John Straub, who was a former tenant that they were boarding him letting him live there for a small fee he is now hiding in the attic the wife who has been having sex with this former boarder has hidden him in the attic and is bringing him food that's why when albert fish trips over him the first thing he says is what do you got for me this time saying like what do you got bacon or pork or what am i eating he thinks it's the wife They have six kids living in the house and the wife is hiding another man that she's having intimate relations with. A former boarder of theirs. Were any of the children this this man's? No. No, they were all... The six children were all Alberts, yeah. Once he sees that, I mean, what do you think he does? Kills him. He He tells him to come downstairs. He pulls out a chair for him at the kitchen table and they sit down and have like a meal together. And you know he is just fucking livid. Mm-hmm. But he he just holds it all in. He holds it all in because he's a nice guy. And he comes up with a plan of how to get him out. Not murder or anything. Just like you need to get out of here. You know, my wife made a mistake type of shit. Well. Okay. Interesting. Now, that happened 1917. A couple weeks go by. John Straub is out of the house. Everything's fine. Albert Fish goes to a painting job. He's gone for five days. His daughter contacts him through a telegram and says something like, Papa, come home. Mama's gone up and left. Something like that. He comes home. And what had happened is the mother was still seeing this former boarder, John Straub. The mother gives the children a few dollars. All the children, all six children. Go see a movie. And get some ice cream, whatever. When they come home, back home, all the furniture in the house is completely gone. Every, all the food, everything is wiped out. As soon as they left for the movie, this John Straub and a buddy backed up a moving van, loaded up everything in the house. They sold it for pennies to this, like, you know, pawn shop guy or whatever. And then they moved out like up and left leaving the children there starving with no heat or no blankets or anything it took everything in this house all alone wow crazy so that's and the reason i'm telling you that is because that's why he blames all this on that's why it started all the letter writings and stuff like that that is it all started because his wife did this well it head. was a trigger perhaps mm. and i said uh a lot about his uh prose like his writing style Mm -hmm. 
snug as a bug in a rug. You know, he's a good writer. That's what he said in mm-hmm. his letter. And um, another one, he says when he returned home, everything was gone and, quote, the birds have flown away, end quote. Mm-hmm. Kind of like interesting writing style, you know. Yeah. A very good writer. All right. Let me preface these letters. His his wife leaves in 1917 and he has these fits of gloom, these gloomy fits. And this is when he really started writing letters. So the letters weren't random, random. Like I said earlier, there were they were posted to women that put ads in uh, matrimonial sections of newspapers looking for a husband, yada, yada, mm. yada. Oh, are like a caretaker looking for work to take care of a child. That was a lot of those. The personal ads. Personal ads. If you like pina coladas. Now, he. this is in 1929, so he is an old, he's like 60, almost 60. So he develops a few personas. One of them is Bobby. Now, no, none of the people in his letters are real. He writes these letters and occasionally... I know it's crazy, but some women write back. They actually like him. Now, it doesn't happen a lot. Is he going full perversion first letter or <laughs> well, what? He did that at first, but that winded him up in, in jail twice ah. for obscene letter writing. So he tries to bait him. Obscene letter I, writing. I feel I, like that's all the internet is these days. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> or like like text messages yeah. or Snapchats or Dick t- pics. Tinder. What he learned was to take it a little more slow and kind of test the waters a little bit and so this is one of the letters but like i said none of it is true but then if the women write back and they're going along with it then he has to because now he wants to meet them and get spanked and all kinds of shit so he's got to kind of come up with a new story so there are a lot of letters we're going to read a few sections so this isn't the real bad thing you're going to read that's in a little bit (laughs) so i have a question though do you think like before we had you know, obviously before we had text messaging and like Tinder and all this stuff, like back then people didn't have personal cameras where they can send like mm-hmm. dirty mm-hmm. pictures in the mail or whatever or text messages. Do you think they used to draw? Draw me like one of your French girls? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You talking about drawing pictures and, and this some of the letters he talks about how he would he would draw like someone pooping and stuff into someone's mouth. Like a little illustration. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, fine, <laughs> fine art Shit. often uses nudity. Yeah, I know, but there's a difference between art and obscenity. True. Well, it depends, I no, guess, it's on not. your purpose. That's the same thing, isn't it? Letters written in the spring of 1929 in response to newspaper classified ads. I wish you could see me now. I'm sitting in a chair naked. The pain is across my back, just over my behind. When you strip me naked, you will see a most perfect form. Yours. Yours, sweet honey of my heart. I can taste your sweet piss, your sweet shit. (laughs) I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I remember this now. At first I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And now I realize, now I realize. I can taste your sweet piss, your sweet shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I just don't understand the next sentence, like how how adults use this in like a serious term. You must pee pee in a glass and I shall drink every drop of it as you watch me. (laughs) Tell me when you want to do number two. I will take you over my knees, pull up your clothes, take down your drawers and hold my mouth to your sweet honey fat ass 
and eat your sweet peanut butter as it comes out fresh and hot. That is how they do it in Hollywood. That's not how they... Uh, what, <laughs> what Hollywood are we talking about here? <laughs> Bobby does not wet or muss his clothes or the bed. All right, wait, wait, let me preface this. Bobby is the one of the Seven. fictitious characters. Oh, okay. It's a son of his that is... Fake. Handicap. Well, yeah. Oh. It, but it's not a real person. This is what he's writing. It's like a story to him. Bobby does not wet or muss his clothes or the bed. He will tell you when he has to use the toilet, number one or number two. For his number one, his pants must be unbuttoned at the crotch and his monkey taken out. His pants and drawers are all made up with a drop seat. All you have to do is loose three buttons in the back and down they come. Saves a lot of undressing. Handy when you want to spank him. Just drop the seat of his pants and drawers. You don't have to strip him except at night for bed or give him a bath or a switching. The doctor says three or four good spankings a day on his bare behind will do him good as he is nice and fat in that spot. It will be an aid to him. When he don't mind you, then you must strip him and use the cat o' nine tails. Say you won't hesitate to use the paddle or cat o' nine tails on him when he needs it. So Bobby, when he was, and this is fictitious, when he was a child, he fell down the stairs and now he is... He's the son of Albert Fish, but he needs to be spanked all the time. Now, he's writing people this. Now, we're going to put a lot of this on Patreon, but there was a victim, if you want to call it that, that lived. And this is his confession. And this is what I want Jen to read for Patreon. And I'll obviously put a lot of it on the podcast, but we're going to put the entire the entirety of it on the Patreon for the episode. It's, it's a nine-page confession about this boy. His name was Kedden. These are my confessions. And this sums up a lot about Albert Fish, which is why I want Jen to read it in its entirety. It was a 19-year-old boy named Thomas Kedden. Now, he says this was 1910 when he did this, which... That's before his, life, his wife left that's what, Yeah, I just figured that out, but... Doesn't make sense. Number one episode with 19 year old boy Thomas. Thomas Kedden kept him 10 days in room before finding the old house, five weeks there before leaving him. That was about 1910. First sadistic, overwhelming. Intended to use him first, then torture him to death, then use the parts that appealed to me for food. I craved to hear someone scream and yell. But can I say, can I interject? Okay, the MO here, in case I don't mention it later. When he goes for a five-day painting mission, he's raping these boys. But you just can't bring a boy down to the cellar, rape him, and then go back to painting. So uh, this is his MO right here. When he says, I kept the boy for whatever, five days or whatever, he would capture whoever, whatever boy off the street, tie him up in the cellar or the basement torture him for five days and he did that so he could finish his painting job and the kid ain't gonna run and tell his parents and then he would be killed a lot of them obviously and others let go now a lot of them were not looked into by authorities simply because they were poor and they were african-american a lot of them were african-american he did that on purpose because the police didn't they didn't care i mean think about this whole trial just real quick like 
he he was found guilty for one murder. Wow. Like he he admitted to others like we have full confessions, but they didn't even bother to try him for those. Wow. So it's like they don't care if you're poor and or if you're black back then. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. They, they don't even give him another trial. It's crazy. So anyway, that is the psychology of him keeping these kids in this cellar for five days. About 25 years ago, or when I was 40, I was doing a painting job in Wilmington, Delaware. I was rooming near a job on outskirts of city. Met a well-built boy of 19. He had ran away from home in Arkansas on account of being stripped naked and whipped by a brutal stepdad. He had a pretty face, would pass for 16 except for his size. Looked like a girl. He appeared to be kind of silly. He told me his story. Someone back home told him he could get a job in DuPont's. He beat his way in empty railroad cars and by foot. When he got to Wilmington, he was told no more help was needed. He was silly in his actions and ways. Though going on 20 and as strong as an ox, he was easy to spank and switch as a boy of 10. He rode for two days in a banana car. Floor was covered with straw. Five men, regular hobos, used him day and night. He, his behind was so sore from them it hurt him when he walked. Oh. He, he said all of them made him suck them off. <gasps> At first he spit it out, but they beat him on his bare behind with their belts and made him swallow it. He had the prettiest and fattest behind I ever saw on a man, but he was covered from his neck down to his shins with long black hair. You could hardly see his dicky or behind from hair. His dicky. Huh. When I first met him, he had not a cent and was almost stoned, no place to lay his head. I took him with me to the place where I got my meals and we had supper. How did he eat? I enjoyed watching him and filled him up. Then I took him to my room for just what I wanted. I knew he was lousy for he could not stop scratching. I made him take everything off. He was full of the biggest lice I ever seen. Ooh. His clothes were full, his hair, shoes, and hat worn out. I threw them out. I washed him good, then made him stand up. When I touched his back, belly and behind, and dick, every hair fell off. Then he was really naked, and how pretty he looked. A nice big dicky and fat behind. I wiped him dry, then rubbed him all over with hair tonic. I loved him, and then I loved him, then and kissed him all over. Then the fun began. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then the fun began. <laughs> Oh, shit. It was a warm <laughs> night, and I went out and got a quart of ice cream. We ate about half of it. Then I stripped naked and got in bed. He kissed me in the mouth many times. My breast, belly, legs, dicky behind. I put ice cream in his behind and all on his dicky. Then I licked it off. <laughs> dicky. <laughs> he had a large sugar bowl, and it went all the way up. <laughs> sugar bowl? <laughs> How good it felt as I shoved it in. He's. It slipped out once or twice. Then he did it to me. We put our arms around each other, kissed, and went to sleep. I bought him some clothes. That went on for about 10 days. How I had whipped many boys and girls, but they were gagged, so they couldn't make no out make out no cry. I craved for something different. I okay, hold on. Tanz, just interrupt one more time. Another part, that's another part of the MO. When he takes a boy or girl in the 23 states he's been and ties them up in the dungeon, the cellar of whatever house he's painting, he actually has to gag them the whole time because they don't make noise. Exactly. So they don't make noise and he didn't get in trouble, which he has gotten in trouble for before. And he got kicked out or or just left. But this person is a consenting adult. But, but, But listen. So, well, yeah, exactly. But listen. 
If you were a sadomasochist, and this brings us way back to the Richard Cottingham case, he was like this. In fact, he got caught because of this. He was in the hotel. Mm-hmm, the bowling ball. And bag. he wants sadomasochists, they want to hear the scream. They don't care about killing you. Mm-hmm. Like, the killing you is not their concern. If anything, they want to keep you alive. And that's why a lot of them get caught, because they just let them go. They don't care, but they're not getting their joy off killing. They're getting their joy off you screaming in terror, you know? And I didn't mean to say that he was a consenting adult, meaning that he was all for all of these things. I'm sure he... I'm sure he... Well, a lot I mean, of some of it, it sounds... I mean, just from the description, of course, the other... This is from uh, his perspective. The other participant is not alive to to reply, but it sounds like... Well, like why would they want this to happen? Like, think about what was going on. Like, why would they consent to this? Well, he was being taken care of there by this go. person. This yeah. is like during the everyone's broke type so, of shit. So that's why I'm saying it, he may not have been really consenting, he's paying but felt these, like he had yeah, to. He's paying them good money to to do well not good money but you know maybe 10 he's, bucks he's ta- he is feeding him well actually he does pay this guy 10 and... bucks as you're gonna see as jen's gonna read here in a minute. yeah so they do get paid so they do want to come back even though they got to put up with all this because they need money Well, in this particular case but yeah the, uh, this is one of the few where it isn't older male yeah. it's and mo- not a most helpless of the, child most of the uh victims are Younger than 14. Right. So, and the youngest that he admitted to was nine. Mm -hmm. That was the absolute youngest that he admitted to. Um, So, the, it would be for, and it would be mostly males, some females, but he preferred males. Mm. But if there was a, if it was a girl that was all available, that he would take that. I wanted to lash, cut, burn a nice, big, fat, pretty bear ass like Thomas had, torture him, hear him scream with pain. I could not do it here. To many people, I began to look around. About a mile away, there was an old farmhouse. The door and lock was in good order with a key. It is just the place to whip and torture Thomas, just as I wished. I put a chamber in the room for him to use. Then one rainy day, I bought a blanket and we came to the torture chamber. I made him strip bare naked and locked him in. I filled an old pitcher full of water and gave it to him to drink. Then I cut about 20 switches off blackberry bushes. They were full of thorns. I brought back. I brought two book straps they use in school. I took up three switches and the straps and tied his hand behind him. Then his feet. Then I turned him over on his belly and began to torture his nice fat ass. I used one switch at a time, struck him as hard as I could. Each blow, the thorns stuck in his flesh. Often I would drag the switch instead of lifting it. Then I would tear and rip the cheeks of his fat ass. Oh, Jesus. How he did scream. It was the sweet music to my very soul to hear him and know that no one else could. Next evening, I brought another blanket and small hammer, tacks, six candles. Then I could work in the day and torture him at night. I tucked blanket over window and by the light of a candle, I could see him. For five days, all he had was water and whippings. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Then I brought him sandwiches and coffee. He was so hungry, I made him eat his own number two before I gave oh, him food. Oh, God. <laughs> then I made him lay on Jesus his back Christ. in bed. I turned both of his legs backward on his head and strapped his feet to, he- to head of iron bed. Then I had his nice, pretty fat ass turned up to me to do just whatever I could think of, and that was plenty. 
The whole package of needles in the cheeks of his ass. It looked like a pin cushion. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my <laughs> word. <laughs> I stuck a pin all the way through his dicky <gasps> and one between oh, no. his two balls. Oh, that hurts me. <laughs> that was a Saturday oh. night. I left him just as he was all night and went home. Oh, my God. Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, I brought some food and a bottle of peroxide. He left him there over overnight with a fucking thing in his dick, a pin and, of and, his dick hole, and his butt like a pincushion. <laughs> he just leaves him there. You think this guy wants to be there? He's tied anymore. He's tied up. <laughs> he doesn't want to be Before there. Before he was tied up, it sounded like he didn't mind. From 9 a.m. Sunday until 11 p.m., I whipped, cut, and burned his bare ass. Except at noon and 6 p.m. when I went out for food. To weaken him and keep him so, I gave him food, but once a day. I gave him a tablespoon where he ate much of his own number two out of the chamber. (laughs) (laughs) Then I spilled alcohol on his bare ass and dicky, then set him on fire. (gasps) Oh my god. I clapped my hands and jumped with joy (gasps) when I heard him scream. Oh my god. What the fuck? (laughs) That is... (laughs) This guy is fucked. (laughs) Then I let him play Papa. Everything I'd done to him, I made him do to me. He spanked, switched, cut, and burned my bare ass. He made me jump and yell when he sunk the thorns in me and then pulled them through my flesh. Him lighting himself on fire. When he was arrested, and Albert Fish does not drink and he does not smoke, he kept asking for cigarettes to, to smoke cigarettes and matches. Then the guards once, because it was like a new guard and he was like, yeah, here you go. Some matches, cigarettes. They were told, Hey, don't give him anything. He doesn't smoke. What he was doing at night is he was taking cotton and he had procured some alcohol, some like Pruno wine or whatever. Mm-hmm. He, wine. he would soak them in alcohol, stick them up his rectum and then light them on fire in his cell. He would do that to himself. So, so that's what one, that's one way to do a cleanse. <laughs> I think this, the, what maybe surprises me, I mean, it all surprises me, but not only does he do it to someone else, but then he has that person do those yeah, things. He's a, to sa- him. a sa- sadist and masochist. They want both ways. He wants to be Papa and be, Beaten by Papa. I don't know. Sorry. Go ahead. Then I was tempted. I tied him up again, played with his dicky until it got stiff. Then I took the knife and sliced off half of it. I shall never forget his scream or the look he gave me. (laughs) Jesus. The blood gushed in a stream. At first, I intended to kill him, cut up the body, and take it home. I gave him $10, kissed him goodbye, took first train I could get back home, never heard what became of him, or tried to find out. God delivered Jacob and his people out of the hands of their enemies. He smote the Egyptians in their hinder parts. His command is spare, not the rod. His holy book says, purge thyself of sin with the rod. The Jews stripped and whipped Jesus with stitches before they crucified him. Who am I, most unworthy of sinners, that I should not be stripped and whipped? Abraham offered up his own son as a sacrifice to Almighty God. Okay, so you kind of see his personality now? He kind of reminds me of Ramsey Bolton from Game of Thrones, like the f- fact that he likes to torture people people so much. Except Ramsey Bolton did not rape 
like uh what was his name i keep forgetting his name the same character there's a couple other perversions that i didn't get to <laughs> oh and the list of the guessing game that we were playing before um one as jen will explain is called phytophilia oh anyone want to guess what that is um I feel like I've heard of it before, but I can't. <laughs> Phytophilia. Very fond of flowers. Like to see them. Like to smell them. Me too. Sometimes I have when roses with a stem of about three inches, lilacs and other flowers, stuck the stem in penis. It hurts, but I seem to get a rush out of it. A thrill. I stuck them up my behind to same my... <laughs> to same... <laughs> Many times I came when the rose ones after flower was in my penis. Like, is he sticking it like in the little hole? (laughs) Yeah, in the dick hole. In the dicky hole. I was a boy when I done that. Alvin came when having it in his behind. I have a looking glass in my drawer so that I can see myself. Sometimes I hold a little mirror to look at myself. I stood emotions for an hour holding little mirror in my hand so that I can get a mirror of my inch with the rose in it. Bought beautiful roses. I then went to ease rose out and ate the petals. I Ugh. often pushed string of green try like vines or honeysuckle and bound them around my body, my pricks or my behind back in back in the can at any self after I came like that. Alonzo got a hairy one. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> this is him during the orphanage, I'm pretty sure. Sticking flowers up his wiener hole. <laughs> For a while, worked in a flower store in Washington, Cora Strauss on the, oh, dear. one of the biggest flower stores in Washington, Hutley, where I was unobserved. Unobserved? He was sticking flowers you buy for your wife in his pee hole. <laughs> End up his butt. And binding <laughs> himself with them. That's an x-ray of Albert Fish's pelvis with 29 needles stuck into him. Oh. Yeah, so I'll put these on talkmore.com. You can see a bunch of needles. Some of them are really long. Look at that one all the way to the right. Look how long. It's like a nail. <laughs> he put a nail it in looks it. looks like a pencil. I know. So he would start by... Oh, this is now like traveled up to his stomach. Yeah, so a lot of them would actually travel, and a lot of them were in really dangerous places. So some of them would make their way to the lower intestine and cause ruptures. And he had these needles in his body, and this was one of the defense too, because or the uh, psychiatrist when he was asked about, well, how do you know? What he's saying isn't just fantasy, like all this stuff. Like, how do you know he's insane? How is it not all fantasy? And the the doctor, the psychiatrist says, well, I don't know of any other fantasy that actually shows up on an x-ray. And as you see from this photo right here, I'll put on the talkmore.com, there's a bunch of needles. And some of them are actually fragmented, that they, they're broken. Oh. And in some of them, if you look close enough, you can actually see the eye hole of the needles. And so what he would do... He started with the needles first under his fingertips, like right under your fingertips. If you take ah, a, a, sew, a sewing needle. That's like needle. the worst feeling when you like yeah. cut your nails too short or you prick something there. Yeah. So you take a, a sewing needle and you pull back your ah! finger like this, Jen. Pull down your finger and then you take a sewing needle and stick it right under your nail, your fingernail. <laughs> 
then he said, well, that wasn't painful enough. So he started putting them in his spine. Like acupuncture. He actually, no, like in his actual spine. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they're going all the way in. Like in his central nervous system-ish. He would put them in there. Now, he didn't want them to stick in there. Do you guys want to take a guess why he would do this? Like, what? why is he doing this? To feel something. But there's a, there's a very specific reason he's doing this. And I, I was hoping you guys would pick up on it. This whole thing about the the religious aspect, all this stuff, is is that ringing any bells? Like, why is he punishing himself? He's trying to atone for his sins. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The, these needles and the cotton in his butthole lighting on fire. So whipping like, once himself. again, he knows what he's doing is wrong. Mm. Kind of. Mm. And I'll, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bud case in a second. But I'm trying to roll this episode a little bit into the religious mania he's feeling. There's only one reason He's well, he likes the feeling of it. He loves it. But the psychology of it is he's trying to atone for his sins. Okay. Mm. He actually gives a few reasons for this to his I was about to say chiropractor. <laughs> Why? His acupuncturist. His uh, psychiatrist. Number one, he gets a sexual kick out of it. Number two, he it relieves pain of a hernia he had. Which is fucking crazy. <laughs> this causes more pain. This is why he limps. He's bow-legged. And this is why he limps like the Slender Man limps. And he's wearing a, you know. He's got a cane. He limps because he's got 29 fucking sewing needles stabbing in his intestines. Boy. He also likes to punish himself for what he has done to others. So he's atoning for his sins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also voices are telling him to purge himself from sin by self-torture. And this is what he tells his psychiatrist. I put them up under the spine. I took out only one needle. I couldn't get the others. I did put one in the scrotum too, but I couldn't stand the pain. Can I just make a comment before we go too much further about something that you said? Um, When the psychiatrist said, I don't know how many other fantasies you can see on an x-ray, that kind of has double meaning because like, you can't, like, well, you don't get an x-ray of the brain. You have an MRI or a CAT scan, but, like, you can't see what's going on in, in other people's mm. heads. But, like, you see the needles in his body. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. I yeah. don't know. I just thought it was an interesting point. This section is going to be focused on atonement and a contrition that he's putting himself through. Or we got to relate this to the Bud case. The Gracie Bud case. Because... What his psychiatrists are thinking and what have they have thought is that he did this as a sacrificial ceremony to the Gracie Bud, what we talked about last time. So we're going to be going back and forth. But just keep this in mind, the religious aspect, because that's that's where we're at right now, the religious aspect. Does this make sense? Yep. So if that's wanna... kind of part of his defense. Um. Yeah. Now, his whole family knew about the needles. His sons and daughters knew about the needles. They also have seen their dad standing in his bedroom naked, whipping himself with the cat of nine tails, like on that movie, The Da Vinci Vinci Code. Code. They have also seen him standing on a hill outside in a field, screaming, I am Christ, I am Christ, I am Christ. Oh, well, that's all right. They have seen, they have lived with this, because 
he'll he'll live mostly with his kids like they kind of he kind of shuffles between whichever kid you know and they kind of host them for a year or two years whatever so they see this they all know about the needles they all know about the whipping things but they don't know why he they don't know why and in fact uh albert jr the oldest of his sons would later tell media and i have the exact quote which i'll have to bring up but for years after the bud case his father albert fish the killer would have night terrors and scream the word grace 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 and sometimes the word bud the son wasn't familiar with the grace bud case at mm-hmm. all right but he would scream her name as he's sleeping and wake up and sweats and stuff like that he gave a straightforward story of the crime I was in the house and took off my clothes in the other room. She picked flowers. I went to the window and called Grace. When she came in and saw me naked, she screamed and said, I'll call Mama. I grabbed her by the throat and almost carried her into the room and laid her on the floor. I didn't think she would put up such a struggle. She was a frail-looking child. She gave me the surprise of my life. She was losing consciousness. I placed my knee on her chest to squeeze the breath out of her to get her out of her misery. Then he dismembered her body, cutting off her head. In a posthumous paper discussing the severed head of Medusa, Freud equates symbolically cutting off the head in castration. Fish, who had never read Freud, said in one of his six signed confessions to police, I thought Grace was a boy. He took the parts of her body home with him, cooked them in various ways with carrots and onions and strips of bait bacon and ate them all over a period of nine days during all this time he was in a state of sexual excitement he ate the flesh during the day and thought about it during the nights this is gracie gracie bud right here two days after he sent that letter which was six years after the murder Uh he was arrested a little bit about the arrest real quick the letter envelope that he used was exclusive to a YMCA type club and he attempted to scratch out the address but just a little bit was left where you can see like the symbol of the uh, community mm. club mm-hmm. and, and that's how it was. yeah that's how he was tracked and they tracked that letter that specific letter back to the guy who rented the current room he was staying in prior to Albert Fish living there and the guy claimed that because they thought it was him at first. He claimed, no, I left these letter, these envelopes on the top of like these this dresser way up there. And what I'm about to say is extremely ironic. The letter envelope that was way up there on the mantle, Albert Fish would have not have used at all. However, he was trying to kill a roach that was crawling up on the mantle. And then he noticed the envelope. So if he would not have used that envelope, he would have never been caught. Wow. And his goal was to take this to the grave. He actually says that, quote, I want to take this secret to the grave. That was his main goal. Mm-hmm. So it's ironic that a roach is the thing that took down Albert Fish, a roach. Because it's, it's like the lowest of low. Yeah. yeah. And, and the detective, Detective King, is the mastermind that thought to, to track down all this stuff. I mean, there's wow. a lot of cool stuff that we didn't go into that he did. But... Once he's finally caught, Detective King walks into the room he's staying or into the 
boarding house and he is sitting on the couch. Immediately, the detective walks over to Albert and Albert looks up, takes a razor blade out of his coat pocket and tries to (gasps) cut his neck with it. And he doesn't succeed. But right then, the detective knew, you know, that he he did. Yeah. So that's a little bit about that. Now, going back to the Bud murder, he was arrested two days after he sent that vile letter to the parents. Uh, there is a there's a lot of photos which is kind of did he send letters to other victims families um, or was this a, an anomaly uh, I because that's it's uh, an anomaly because he didn't send to the victims and the reason the only reason he sent this letter to the family and this is one of the things about the detective the detective decided to contact the media because he was living with this for six years he's like this is I am going to catch this guy. Mm -hmm. He decided to write or go to the media and the media, the daily news put out an article that says, we've got the killer. We're catching him. You know, we're closing in on, we're about to arrest him tomorrow. And then Albert Fish saw that because he's an avid reader of the news and crimes. Uh He's like, no, you didn't. You didn't fucking catch me. Check this out. I'm going to send this to the, the family. You didn't catch me. So if it wasn't for that, Wow. That and then they put that and that was purposely done so by they, King. To they him, could to tell bait him out, yeah. That his personality was one that could be baited. Yeah, so they yeah. tried to before, they baited him out before yeah. That's profiling a good question. was yeah. even a thing. That's a good you question. Know, they, but, they knew that about him. Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's what I mean, the detective mm. was just on it, man. That's fascinating. You know. Anyway, there's plenty of pictures. It's kind of crazy. A lot of the crimes used this back in the day when they find bones or something outside, they would just get whatever they had. And the 10 year old Gracie's bones were actually put are stored in a picnic basket. And there are plenty of you see the picnic basket right there. And you can see the bones that they fill up the picnic basket after a while. There were 80 bone fragments and the the prosecution actually took the the bones in a box and when they went into court because they got to prove that so was grace's murder was this the murder that he was tried for the only murder okay. he was tried for yeah that's why we we're going so much got into. It, got yeah they would actually sure. shake the box to hear the bones oh, no. rattle which they would never do that nowadays right but it is definitely something that put that fear in people's head when they would shake the box oh, yeah. and they would it just do- made it more real because like you don't have a you don't, you know, I mean, you don't have like the whole body there, but you can be like, this is, I mean, this is her. Like you did this, left. you did this to her. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, here's a good picture of the uh, bones filling up the picnic basket. I'll put all these on talkmore.com. Yeah. They found 80 fragments and this is where I want to kind of stop this story. Initially, remember he was, he wanted to kidnap the son. Right. Yeah. After years of the needles and the. The trying the contrition and trying to atone for his sin, he realized, or actually, he was commanded two weeks before this murder to have a sacrifice, much like um, Abraham and his son Isaac. He was going to kill his son. No, not his son, but he was going to sacrifice a child, a child, a virgin child. It had to be a virgin. And that is why, and if you want to get too far into this, which is really fucked up, is why he killed Gracie before he raped her. Because she died a virgin, then he raped her. But here's the thing about the story of Abraham. Number one, Abraham didn't kill Isaac. 
because God stepped in and said, Hey, like, I see that you want to do this for me, but like, no, you don't have to do that. Number two, if he really wanted to go into the story of Abraham, he would have sacrificed one of his own children. True. So that's like not even valid. I mean, I mean, I understand like he was hearing this or was commanded to or whatever, but like that's, you can't be like, Oh, well, sorry. Like, well, I guess I can't sacrifice my own kid. Gonna find someone else to sacrifice for you. Like that's not. That's not. The, yeah, that's. A, it's an excuse. No, it's yeah. yeah, it's an excuse, and that's a very good point. Uh, this is exactly. This is the quote from Albert Fish. Quote: What I did must have been right, or an angel would have stopped me, just as the angel stopped Abraham in the oh, Bible. Boy. If I was wrong, the angel would have stopped me. A man who labors under delusions is not a free agent. This is what his psychiatrist is saying. He is not deterred by punishment. If you want to read this. I had sort of an idea through Abraham offering his son Isaac as a sacrifice. It always seemed to me that I had to offer a child for sacrifice to purge myself in iniquities, sins and abominations in the sight of God, such as Sodom and Gomorrah. So initially he did want to sacrifice the boy and... He was not going to sacrifice him. He was not going to kill him, but he wanted to sacrifice his penis, cut his, castrate him. And when asked, well, that would have killed him, right? He said, quote, I would have left him in the house tied up and gone back to my room, packed up my things and left town, end quote. Now, if you look at Gracie's picture, the reason, one of the reasons he did decide to choose her is because, and when he was killing her, the whole time, if you believe him and his hallucinations he believed that gracie bud was a male the whole time because he's such in a religious fervor that he's sacrificing this male and you know a virgin at that and that is why the virgin thing is why he killed her first but i mean he knows that she's a girl though but maybe in his killing rage he's convincing himself that she's not one the other reason that he gave for this is this what you're going to read? There's a quote from him. The word outrage, the word outrage meaning rape, but they, they use the word outrage in okay. the time period. I knew this child would eventually be outraged and tortured and so forth, and that I should sacrifice her in order to prevent her future outrage. The child could be saved in that way. That's basically the story. I asked at the beginning, if he, if he doesn't know right from wrong, then yeah, he's... He can't be held liable. But what if that right and wrong is skewed up? Because he is he is commanded by God, number one, or a delusion of God, to to sacrifice this virgin. And number two, uh, he associates it with Abraham. And then when he he claims that he would have stopped if an angel had told him to stop. I mean, if you're saying this guy is insane, you're saying Abraham in the Bible is insane no. and was delusional seeing this stuff. So I'm so. going to say, I think um, it is an ex- like, I think anyone who is murdering someone is not quite right in the head, right? Like there's something wrong for somebody to be willing to murder or have the desire to murder someone else. So like by that definition, any, anyone who's a murderer is a little bit insane in some way, shape or form, like in, 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 just to be blunt. So I don't think that he is any different from that. He, I think he did know right from wrong. 
because he was trying to like hide. He's doing these things in secrecy. He's trying to get away. Like it's it's not that he doesn't. He knows that it's wrong in in by the manner in which he is doing this. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and a couple other points. Um, so so you think he should be put to death? I mean, he was put to death, but you think that's the right I thing think, to do? I think he, like I said, I think he was insane in some way shape or form but he knew the definition of right from wrong i yeah, think that he i your... think he was culpable enough to be held accountable for his actions. so what would your vote be to put him to death it would be yeah guilty i you know how i feel about the death penalty but i would i would charge him with his crimes i would convict him i would convict him i don't i don't know what i would sentence i mean because i don't you know how i feel about that but the first thing is you were talking about how he had a very uh major role in his own defense if, mm-hmm. if he's con- concocting his own defense, how do we know that this is actually, I mean, even you can tell your lawyer something and that that doesn't have to be the truth. They have their job as a defense lawyer is to believe you and to make your case like they don't like just because that's what you're telling them does not necessarily mean it's true. Number one. Number two, when you go back to the whole Abraham thing and he says, if the angel uh, if I, if what was wrong, if it was wrong, then the angel would have stopped me. Well, no, not necessarily, because going back to the story with Abraham and Isaac, what Abraham was doing was right. He was literally what God told him to do. So what? So what? But God was, told him to kill Gracie Bud. No, no. But here. No, let me finish my point. Oh, so God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. So he went to do that. And because he showed because he was going to sacrifice his son and God knew that, like, no, that's not what I that, like. I, I know how much you, you know, you you love me and showed that you would do this because you were doing what is right. Like, I'm going to spare your son. So if so in Albert Fish saying if. If what I was doing was wrong, the angel would have stopped me. No. If an angel, if God actually told you to sacrifice Gracie Bud and you are comparing yourself to Isaac and then you actually went to sacrifice Gracie Bud, then God would have stepped in and stopped you before you sacrificed Gracie Bud. And if you're going to compare yourself to Abraham, then it has to be the same circumstance. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to quickly read some of the, because I'm, I'm like on the fence. I know it sounds crazy, but just listen to what the psychiatrist says, because it's pretty... It's pretty telling. N- number one, there's a point where do we want to kill him because there are hundreds of other cases which if we kill him, will ne- they'll never be solved. And obviously they didn't want to solve any other cases because this is the only one they tried him for. I mean, there are hundreds of rape cases, murder cases or whatever that he's probably attributed to that, you know, he probably would have on his deathbed or before that he came clean about why not well, so though that's one point of not killing him right away well i don't even think you needed to kill him right away because i mean and as evidence when the detective caught him he tried to off himself you know so he was going to kill himself eventually yeah that's true mm-hmm. and uh, so you didn't even need to sentence him to death he was he was going to end up killing himself and one point i forgot to make is once he because he thought the trial was going to be a reversal. And then once he found out that he was sentenced to the death chair, he was upset for like a second. And then I, I had to bring his real quote in, but he says something to the effect of this will be the greatest thrill I have never experienced. So being electrocuted. And I showed you that photo yeah. of him sitting in the chair, just looking calm. He's yeah. ready for it. He wants it. He yeah. wants the pain. Yeah. 
he probably didn't want to die, but he wants the fucking pain. Yeah. You know, so he did die doing what he loved. I mean, <laughs> fucking crazy. Anyway, I'm going to run over the psychiatrist because he makes some really interesting points. Having stated that, in my opinion, Fish did not know the difference between right and wrong in the sense of the statute. I was quizzed on that point. I stated that the knowledge of right and wrong is quite different from the knowledge that two plus two equals four. It requires intactness of the whole personality because Fish suffered from delusions and particularly was so mixed up about the questions of punishment, sin, atonement, religion, torture, self-punishment. He had a perverted, a distorted, if you want, an insane knowledge of right and wrong. His test was that if he had been wrong, he would have been stopped as Abraham was stopped by an angel. Now, the, the psychiatrist this is a really smart dude. He, he studied like under Freud and stuff, and he's got several books. Very smart dude. And honestly, and one of the points he makes was we don't want to kill this guy because we need to study this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, th- he can teach us a lot. Frederick Wortham, MD, he's a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. We're, what we're reading now is from a book he wrote from the show of violence, 1949. This is really important. Most of the jury called him insane, but it was too it was too bad of a crime. And, and we face that nowadays. It would have been an outrage if he would have not been put to death. Right. And in fact, he was you know what he was arrested for? Before the murder, no. because they got to prove the body. And, and when they arrested him, they didn't have a body. He actually took them out to the, the cottage and showed them where the bones were. But before that, they had to arrest him. And then even if they couldn't prove corpus delicti or whatever in court, which the body was Gracie Buds, he would have been held on one charge only, kidnapping mm. and how can you charge someone for kidnapping? There's no body. No, not when there's no body. How can you charge? How can you charge a man with kidnapping when her parents allowed her to go with you? That's not kidnapping, Ooh, right? So if you keep that in mind, and they could not prove that it was Gracie Bud's body, and he says, "You know what? I, I was lying. That's not hers," because there's no DNA or anything. It, it could have been a reversal. If that is the case. That's what I want you to think about. If that is the case, and he's only kept for kidnapping, which means he could get let go. Listen to this. Listen to this. This will this sum it up. Hold on. The psychiatrist says, quote, if you uphold the judgment of sanity implicit in the death sentence of this obviously ill man, you uphold officially the policy of psychiatrists who on two different occasions have had under offer observations a man who had butchered and eaten more than one little child more than two years before and declare now that such a man was not a suitable case for commitment to an institution for the insane he's saying he's saying if you put him to death and say that he is not sane because if you're going to do the death penalty you're not going to have it both ways you're not going to be like you got to send this to death but you're insane it's either you're sane and you're getting death or you're insane and you're not getting death. It's one or the other. You can't have it both. So this is what he's saying. If you're saying that he is sane, that he is sane and he's getting put to death, which is that is what they're saying. Then he says, assume what might easily have been possible through some technicality, say a doubt about the identity of the corpus delicti, which are the bones of Gracie Bud, had existed, and this case had to be dropped legally. Are you, as a statesman, telling me, as a psychiatrist, that I have no right to commit this man to an institution for the insane? Mm-hmm. 
He's saying if you're saying he's saying and there's a technicality where he gets thrown out, I can't even put him in a mental institution. In that, mm. that's fucking that's a mind fucking. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting yeah. way of putting it. I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. I mean, the kidnapping thing though. He said he was taking her to a party. Yeah, and then he didn't. There was no party. So that I like. I don't think that would have been a charge that would necessarily get dropped out. I'm just just saying. I don't know. Plus, he had like, pretty- what about holding her hostage? Like, is that a separate charge of kidnapping? But the thing is, like. I mean, this is a, a number one. A lot of the psychiatrists thought he was senile, which he probably was. So, I mean, how are you going to hold an old man that doesn't even and it has all he this? He still other, did do. I know. I know. I, I'm just saying yeah. just just saying, I because if he is if he is sane, then he can't be put in and a he, mental institution. Right. If there was something that happened with the crazy. trial and they said he was sane, then. Yeah, you're right. I, yeah. Get, I get what you're saying. Read this last paragraph by the psychiatrist and then we'll stop here. And that is the way the authorities left it too. They did not even count the victims. Albert Fish is dead. The Fish case is settled. But it has always remained in my mind an unfinished business. A number of times since then, I have had occasion to talk about such cases and problems to high officials who had the power to decide and act. I have looked for faces and found only masks. And masks have no ears. Mm. Pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. It is crazy, Kate. I mean, honestly, this this is the most fascinating case I've ever done. Just the the psychiatry part, because you have four other state appointed psychiatrists that all declared him, declared him insane. Yeah. So when this guy who studied under Freud and stuff like that, they do cross examinations and stuff, and they say, "Oh, he's sane." Uh, how many other sane people do you know eat human feces? And then the psychiatrist, one of them says, "I I know quite a bit." I know a public official that has feces with his as a side for his salad. Oh, my God. Exactly. (laughs) But it's all bullshit because the the bottom line is the case is just too it's too gruesome. It's too bad. It's too effed up to let this guy sit in an institution. Right. It's not like Ed Gein digging up your dead wife. This is a 10-year-old girl yeah. and a 7-year-old boy. Yeah. I mean, they, you can't put him in an institution. You have to kill him. I and do I, think, I feel like we're still at that point today. I do think he know? was insane, but I, like, in some, like I said, in some manner, but I think he still knew what right and wrong was. Yeah. And, I mean, when you also think about insanity... There's so many different, um, you know, disorders that what that there's no real um, objective definition of insanity because you're suffering yeah. with one disorder does not mean that you're suffering from another disorder. Right. Yeah, it's like a spectrum or umbrella, right? Mm. I don't know if you guys stayed with us. Thank you so much. That was a fascinating case. But that's the case of Albert Fish. I mean, there's so much more to go on, and it's it's crazy that this case is little known. And it's little known because of what was going on back in the day, you know, the time period and stuff like that. But I don't know. That's the Albert Fish case. Hope you guys liked it. Yeah. Um, if you like it, support us on Patreon. Go to talkmore.com slash join. You can support us there and request some shots and talk to us or whatever. Uh, we're all on that uh, platform. My name is John. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. 